0: Welcome back to series regular the Hollywood reporters all in podcast on genre television currently focused on HBO's Watchmen. Hello, everybody. I'm Josh Wigler uh, joined here by Antonio Mazzaro. Antonio, you made waffles? (laughs)
1: <laughs> I tried heads up for the eggs. Oh uh, they may gosh. be everywhere, but some of those eggs might be special, so you might be in luck.
0: Special eggs here on episode 8 of HBO's Watchmen, a god walks into a bar. It's a god walks into a bar uh it's right there in front of us the whole time. Antonio.
1: How did we not know? We weren't we were <laughs> only looking at what was in front of us.
0: Oh my God! Not what was above us. Different show. What's above us is Europa, and uh, that's many, many moons away, many <laughs> miles away. Uh, if only we had a horseshoe to, to. I don't know if it works the other way. Does that get us to Europa? We're not ready for that. Not yet. We're not ready. We're not ready for that. By the way, uh, so we're going to be talking about a God walks into a bar, episode eight of HBO's Watchmen, directed by Nicole Cassell, co-written by Jeff Jensen and Damon Lindelof, and this is the Doctor Manhattan extravaganza. We're going to get into full spoiler territory in just a short little while. Service advisory, because Antonio, you're a saint and you you alerted this to me before it was too late. Uh, there's a post-credit scene in this episode. Yeah. If you were not aware that there is a post-credit scene in A God Walks Into A Bar, go back to A God Walks Into A Bar and make sure you watch that post-credit scene because it's a doozy and it's clearly very important.
1: <laughs> it is. I mean, Had we not seen what we saw in the episode, I, I don't think... We would have been expecting it, but we saw some stuff in the episode that I think made us think. Okay, we've got our content for this episode in that storyline. No, uh, we we have a post credit scene. Will there be a post credit scene on this podcast, Josh?
0: Almost certainly not. Almost okay. certainly not. I think right. like if you hear if you hear the music, like that's like guiding you out of the podcast. Uh, like Nick Fury's through. not going to show up. Nick Fury isn't going to show up. No, okay. he's not going to be here. Like, Definitely like listen all the way through so you can get all of the subscribe information. You want to subscribe to Series Regular on your podcast app of choice. You want to leave ratings and reviews. You want to follow me on Twitter. I'm at Round Howard. You want to follow Antonio on Twitter, at AC Mazzaro. That happens at the end of this podcast, but it also happened about 20 seconds ago.
1: Oh, and it's happening right now. And it's happening it right out. now. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's happening right now. All right. That's enough spoiler Buffer. let's talk into a god walks into a bar all dr manhattan all the time with yaya abdul mateen ii uh, embodying the role of john osterman embodying the body of uh, of cal who we, we are getting a lot more detail in this episode about how all of that came together really uh, as much detail as you could possibly want from that storyline uh, in this really beautifully crafted love story that's also a tragedy man I, this just knocked my socks off literally i am not wearing socks anymore this is just a <laughs> <laughs> a spectacular spectacular hour and three minutes of tv
1: you're barefooted this is interesting uh that there's a lot of possibilities there are you dr manhattan I, I, i'm not sure about what happens anymore like what is been, going on
0: yeah yeah if i am i forgot
1: Well, look at the clock and if you look mm-hmm. at the clock maybe you'll have a memory and you'll remember things also can we talk about the larger implications we didn't do this on the last podcast doesn't Yah abdul mateen play a villain in aquaman
0: Yes, he's Black Manta in Aquaman. <laughs> yeah. So
1: Dr. Manhattan is Black Manta. Are we doing this? Is there yes, an extended universe in play it's, here?
0: It's it's happening. What's great is so I so I have an interview up with Yaya Abdul Mateen II up on THR.com slash watchman right now. Worth checking out. Really fun speaking with him about this episode and also just, you know, the gravity of playing Dr. Manhattan. This is a huge deal. And he, we talked about I spoke with him at the press junket for Watchmen while he was there you know nobody knows that he's Dr. Manhattan and he's on this other side of this massive secret this is often the case whenever you know people involved in a, in a big project like this are, are speaking with reporters but just the 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 severity of the secret that he was living with here if that spills that is a that is a big one to, to, to let out of the bag uh, and he was talking about how it was very fun to have that kind of a secret I had asked him at the at the junket. You know, you're, you played Black Manta and Aquaman. You have this really iconic suit there. And here you are, you're, you're just Calais bar and everyone else has all the super suits and you don't have, and he's like, yeah, it's fine though. You know, it's a, it's, it's, it's good to play this guy. And it's like, wow, you, you did a good job. You did a good job. Cause he turns have, out he's a good actor. You've got these turns out he's a phenomenal actor. Right? Yeah. He is, he is terrific in this episode. This is an episode that would, you you can imagine the universe where this doesn't work. You know the reason why we're getting Doctor Manhattan so late in the game here on Watchmen is he really? It's hard to have a very grounded show with Doctor Manhattan deeply involved in the story. Even in the graphic novel, Antonio he's sidelined. In you know by the end of the third issue, I believe he goes to Mars. Is is the whole fourth issue. Right. Like he's he's away from Earth and he doesn't really come back until very late in the game. In that final issue, when he and Laurie go to New York and see the squiddening is really when he's deeply pulled back into into events. To have Dr. Manhattan in the story too much earlier really muddies things up. And I think that there was a lot of um, thematically rich material that this series wants to explore. And I think to do that with Dr. Manhattan deeply into text it's it's a tough it's a tough act to, to pull off, and the only way you're going to pull it off is if you've got a really brilliant actor embodying that role in a way that's going to humanize this god, this deity who is all powerful, who sees everything, who knows that ten years from now he's going to get zapped by a, a particle cannon. Tragic ending, <laughs> you know. So you really have to find some way to find 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 the human mortal heart in there, and it is that classic story that Regina King's Angela Abar even references in the bar scene that who are you Zeus come down from the mountain to to pretend you're a swan and mate with me you know it has this divine <laughs> quality to it and this mythical quality to it but it is also a very personal story and it would not feel that way without the phenomenal work of Yahya Abdul-Mateen the second so just I, I I'm not wearing a hat either Antonio but if I was I would tip it to the man because You'd he just a did a spectacular hat. job yes
1: it is a really good performance, and you have to think about some of the stuff we've talked about with the Cal character on this podcast throughout the season. He he has this this reputation. Still waters run deep. We, we said something seems to be going on with Cal. We don't really know what it is. There are a lot of these scenes, um, just small scenes with him and the children, for example, him telling the children there is no God, there is no heaven. The fact that Laurie, of course, has the crush on him throughout. Some of this we talked about last week, but as you're talking about it now, it makes me realize, yeah, you can't have Dr. Manhattan as a major presence in the show throughout the show. But what you can have is you can have Dr. Manhattan as Cal. And now that we know the rules of that, I think we can see exactly what Cal as Dr. Manhattan on this show has actually meant for the show throughout. So we know, for example, when Angela is saying, in episode two, when she's relating to Cal, the story of how she interacted with Will Reeves, her grandfather, and Will Reeves said he was Dr. Manhattan. And Angela says to Cal, but we know that he can't do that, right? Like that Dr. Manhattan's on Mars, and he can't take human form. And she's saying that, I think, as sort of a reality check, like, hey, are you still in there, Doc? I want to make sure you, Cal, aren't recognizing that this is actually true, but it's you who is Dr. Manhattan. So there are these moments now, now that we know the rules throughout the show, including, of course, the White Knight uh, that we have talked about a lot, about who shot Angela or who didn't shoot Angela. Now we know why. That we can really see the presence of Dr. Manhattan throughout the show because we know he's Cal and now we know the rules of what that looks like and why he didn't know. It all makes sense. And there's more to come, obviously. Things like it was important for me or for you to see me on the water, in the pool. We don't know why yet, right. uh, but there's obviously some still—Doc has he seen says, it all. He later, says, later, later. That's coming right. later. And, and he, he's able to put his powers into an egg. There are all these things now, now that we know the rules, that we can talk about that have implications across the length of the series. So, no, Dr. Manhattan himself has not been a major presence. But because he was Cal and because we now know the rules, we can really get into what that means for everything we've seen so far and the questions that we had.
0: So is the finale just going to be 7K just like eating blue eggs? And that's, oh. like, just, like, gorging on blue eggs? Is that okay, what we're getting pause into? a big kit
1: sitting there? <laughs> I hope not. I hope that's really not what it is. I mean, he said in this episode, no, they're going to teleport me and then kill me. Involuntarily teleport me and then kill me. I wonder, do you think that that is a uh, at the same a simultaneous action, like the original squiddening from the novel, that the involuntary teleportation is what does the killing, Or do you think that he's going to be alive somewhere having been teleported?
0: So the question that has to be answered then is how much of the future can Dr. Manhattan see? Can he only see what he is involved in? Can he only see as far as he is a participant in events? Because if that's the case, then he has to be alive at least long enough to know why it's important for Angela to watch him walk on water. Right. And he says that's going to be important for later. So what is happening later where she needs to have had that information, he needs to be still alive for that. So I think you can still have hope that Dr. Manhattan is alive for now, but I think that the like the predestined qualities to this episode really hammering home this idea that Damon Lindelof has played with in the past to borrow a phrase from one of his other shows, whatever happened happened, whatever happens happens, whatever's going to happen may have already happened. If you're Dr. Manhattan, that's how you perceive it. Based on all of that, the fact that he's saying that he is going to be killed I don't think you should have a lot of hope for Dr. Manhattan himself surviving this series of uh, this season of Watchmen. I think that his his death in the finale, at the very least, feels like the the center of the bingo card for me.
1: And that's the John Osterman, Dr. Manhattan. Right. Of course, there's the possibility, although unlikely, that the season ends or this series of uh, ends with 7K executing on their plan they want to take his powers and somehow become dr manhattan now and we've seen they're using a lot of true technology lady true's technology to do what they're doing we don't know exactly what technological abilities they have and we don't know what lady true's plan with the millennium tower may be to thwart said plan but it now does seem because we saw the scene with John Osterman uh, in the cow skin, in the cow suit, going to visit Will Reeves in New York, saying, I want to make an alliance. And he says, the future is uncertain, and my ability to influence events is limited. I would like to form an alliance. This is a thing that happened. And so now the question becomes, if if you extrapolate from that, He tells Will Reeves what he can see. He says to Will Reeves, this is what you need to do in order to counteract that. And this is where you need to go in order to make it happen. And this is who you need to work with. If it is Lady True, does that implicate Adrian Veidt? How does Adrian Veidt come into the mix? All these things will happen shortly in our finale episode, but I think I agree with you that it does mean that the at least death of the John Osterman, Dr. Manhattan. Now, we had a very clever little scene in this episode which may have indicated something that already happened or may have indicated something that is to happen, which is that Dr. Manhattan theoretically could put his powers into any kind of life form. And in this specific instance, he mentions and shows an egg. And in putting his powers into an egg of some sort, um, he could then transport those powers to someone else. And the question I guess I have for you, Josh, is, do you think this already happened, or do you think it's something that could be to come?
0: Well, so we see earlier in the series, we see Bill right. Reeves boiling an egg, and he's eating an egg, and he is fishing it out of a, of a boiling pot with nothing but his hand. We also know at the point in which that is occurring— Will Reeves has met Dr. Manhattan. Yes. That meeting has already taken place about 10 years earlier. Does he already have Dr. Manhattan's powers? Is this something that he needs to sustain? Do you need to eat a steady diet of blue eggs in order to remain Dr. Manhattan? Does it pass or does it hold? Does it stay? Yeah. Um, you know, and might and, be hollow. <laughs> you know, and one of the things that's exciting about the possibility of Will Reeves having eaten a Doctor Manhattan egg is the obvious that holy crap, Hooded Justice is now Doctor Manhattan is remarkably ridiculous and fun to consider. But also the fact that Angela and John—it's going to take a little while to get used to calling him John instead of Cal. Uh, but Angela and John's children are in the Dreamland theater with Will, right? Like that is where right. Doctor Manhattan has teleported them to, and. And you can imagine that they would be in very safe hands with uh, uh, with Hooded Justice Typically just anyway, but like a 105-year-old Hooded Justice, maybe a little less safe. But if it's a 105-year-old Hooded Justice with Dr. Manhattan powers, probably very, very safe in that man's hands. And not for nothing, the fact that he's one hundred and five and looks as fantastic as he does and is able to stand so tall over Lady True at the end of episode four, that man may have been eating his blue protein.
1: Definitely. And it's it's something we have to consider considering what we've seen. Also, by the way, in that episode where he's eating the eggs, which he claims he got from across the street, but who knows, he straight up tells Angela that he's Dr. Manhattan. Right. <laughs> and, yeah. and she says Dr. Manhattan's on Mars, and he says, well, maybe, uh, maybe he can be in multiple places at once, or maybe he can take a human form. Like, he's saying things that he knows to be true, so is he actually lying about the fact that he's Dr. Manhattan? By the way, everything else he says in that episode, I think, is true. He says... He's the one who by himself killed Judd Crawford. We know that that's true. He says he strung him up. That is technically true. I guess in a court of law, you could argue that he did it via mesmerism, but that he is the one. He also says that he's a grandfather. We know that that's true. Eventually, that that comes out. He talks about that he has friends in high places, and he would have escaped if she arrested him anyway. We know that that happens. And the episode ends with Eggman by the Beastie Boys. So it is uh, there, right there in the text of the episode. Of course, we have Egg's reference referenced throughout the rest of the series, from Angela making the comedian-like smiley face in the eggs that she's using to make the mooncakes in the first episode, to the beginning of the Clark farm uh, with the eggs. They're selling the eggs, and the eggs fall, and they have problems uh, with fertility and eggs. Uh, And so that is referenced directly in that moment. So eggs have been a thing throughout. Uh, Cal is making waffles with the kids later on in uh, this season. I think it's in episode four or five, right before he tells them, that there is no heaven and Uncle Judd didn't go there because he's just nowhere. Uh, he's Angela and here are putting eggs into waffles then. So eggs have been present throughout this season of Watchmen. For some reason, we didn't really know why. Now we know eggs can actually be magical. It doesn't have to be eggs, though. That's the other thing, right? It could really be anything that he put his powers into. So theoretically, it, I, there, he, it could be people that are on Europa, uh, for example. When he created Phillips and Crookshanks, it could be some... Something like that. There could be connections there because he literally made that life and he imbued it with whatever he wanted to. So it doesn't necessarily have to be an egg. It could be the egg, could be a red herring, which I'm sure Josh, that Red Scare would love.
0: Well, here's something to consider the finale coming up, we're right at the finale, which is wild, is called See How They Fly. See How They Fly is a lyric from a song the uh, by the Beatles, I Am the Walrus. Uh, I am the the Eggman I am the Eggman I am the Walrus They are Uh, the Eggman They are the Eggman So a couple of things to unpack from the lyrics uh, As we are talking about the Eggman I am the Eggman they are the Eggmen. Does that mean multiple Manhattan is definitely going to happen? Uh, and then who's the walrus? Is it going to be a giant telepathic walrus that drops in the middle of Tulsa? I guess 7K <laughs> said we wouldn't do a squid again. They didn't promise other animals. So maybe they're going to throw a walrus into the middle of Oklahoma.
1: I hope they use the song "Mr. City Policeman Sitting Pretty Little Policeman in a Row." Yes, see how they fly like see Lucy how they in the fly? Sky. See yeah, they and I run. mean, like yeah.
0: there there are ways that you know you can interpret that in in many ways that you could see within the within the language of, of Watchmen of like if it's uh, if it's if it's Seven K with Manhattan abilities, they're sending the policemen flying. You know, they're they're destroying them, they're they're busting them up the way that Manhattan busted up Seven K in this episode, or if the policemen get Manhattan powers and now they're flying, even if it's just Looking Glass and. Laurie or Looking Glass and Laurie and Angela. So the possibilities are there. But I think that the idea that multiple people are going to end up with Dr. Manhattan's powers in the finale feels pretty on to me. Feels like that's that's something that we are we're definitely going to see in the finale.
1: Oh, untimely death. It should be uh, noted that if if that is the case, if if Hood of Justice already has them and 7K acquires them, that doesn't mean that Lady True's tower is not going to take them all away right. or some of them away. I It, it seems to me... You talked about the possibility that Hooded Justice and everything we've seen in terms of Will Reeves' backstory, having Dr. Manhattan's powers is great, and I agree completely. But I also foresee a possibility, just like with Dr. Manhattan, that speaking of untimely death, it will be a timely death for Will Reeves, that this is something, his story began in Tulsa, it can end in Tulsa if it ends heroically, it can end in a way that was befitting of his heroism throughout his life. I can see that being possible, that he sacrifices himself, so that if it is a situation where he's got the powers a 7k has the powers and lady true's uh tower somehow it's it's a power tower it saps them away then i could see a situation where all no one ends up with them at the end of the entire thing i i like the idea and this is playing on the idea that damon lindelof has talked about how right this may be the only season of watchmen that it was written to be self-contained it doesn't mean we won't get more seasons of watchmen it doesn't mean that this is confirmed that it's a one and done it's just that they want this story to be wrapped up in one season and there won't be something that makes it immediately need a season two. This is what they did with the leftovers as well, obviously. You can have a fertile ground for more material. And You can have, you can uh,
0: have an amniotic pond. You can have where.
1: an amniotic pond, exactly. <laughs> and you can have sown seeds uh, throughout that amniotic pond. It could be full of eggs. Uh, none of them have to hatch, uh, but they could. And so I can, I can see a scenario where if you're looking at this as a one-off, that we end the season with no one having Dr. Manhattan's powers in a world where no Dr. Manhattan exists anymore. I think that is an interesting way to say uh, what happens if the squiddening happens in 1985, what happens when in Gila Flats, Doctor Manhattan uh, obtains these powers. Well, now what happens in this world where Doctor Manhattan is no more and everyone knows it? I think that is a very interesting possibility that they could start uh, in this world with season two for sure.
0: Oh, man, I just I can't get the image of of all these people flying around in the finale <laughs> out of my head. <laughs> they but fly like, now, but but they 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 fly now. But what what's also terrifying about that is you think about that in connection with the the tulsa massacre that begins this show that obviously is real and how do we loop back to that you know the action here is taking place in tulsa we're talking about the possibility of uh flying godly powered racists in in tulsa like my skin crawls considering where we could possibly go in the finale
1: yeah, but where does LG fit into all of this, Josh?
0: Well, he's got a Rorschach mask. He did not show up in this episode, at least as far as we saw, unless like Angela accidentally murdered him uh, <laughs> in her <laughs> attack against, against the Seven K that she just got uh, got rid of poor Wade. But you like to think that Wade is still embedded in Seven K. Maybe he's going to be somebody who's going to help Lori out. We certainly have not seen the last of him. I think that he's in in deep cover at this point. Uh, would be would be the feeling there.
1: What about Adrian Veidt? Now, seemingly, he's going to come back to the story. What we saw in this episode, of course, is the the fact that he is the one who had applauded the ability and helped Dr. Manhattan become Cal uh, with the device uh, that he had prepared, that he had originally devised as a way to stop dr manhattan to kill dr manhattan this was his plan a and he uses it in this instance at dr manhattan's request he also knew that dr manhattan was on europa this was something a little elephant told him the idea of an elephant certainly connects us to lady true we have seen her with her timer and it is elephant based we've seen the elephant mugs at her compound we have also seen an actual elephant uh, at her compound so right. It seems like an elephant yeah, it's her totem. Him, yeah, yeah, squids her totem are the
0: Ozymandias is, as yes. uh, as elephants are to Lady True.
1: Yes, uh, or uh, or bubastis uh, even. Yes, uh, but this is this is something that's her totem this is probably her that tells him that if she's saying my father will be back, it seems like he's got some time to come, but it seems like this is something he, we now know he went to Europa by request and he, Dr. Manhattan sent him there. So the only person theoretically that could free him would be Dr. Manhattan. But if that were to happen, when does it happen and how, and is that something you think we, we, we have more to come in the timeline before 2019, before we get there.
0: Yeah. So it's, so it's worth talking uh... About the post-credit scene here, so the post-credit scene is featuring Ozymandias. He's in prison. The game warden shows up with the cake, uh, seven candles for seven years he's been here. So he's been in prison for two at this point, I think is right, because I think it's on his fifth his fifth year is when he gets uh, when he gets arrested, and then right. it's the sixth anniversary that he has yeah. the the pig trial. Right. Um, so so he's so he's there, and by the end of it, the cake reveals that there is a horseshoe in it, and Ozymandias is thrilled. about about this, and he starts going uh, all Andy Dufresne on his prison cell uh, floor. It's a rock uh, hammer. It's a, it's a rock it's hammer. The crook-shank it, it's the Crook Redemption. It's the Crook Redemption. Wow. <laughs> yes, put that on a t shirt, please. Uh, it's remarkable. Uh, so that's what he's going to do. So so, a couple of questions emerge from that. One, and I know that this is one that you've been hung up on. How did he know about that he was going to need that horseshoe? Because he mentions it a lot throughout the series. He's telling Phillips, I don't need that, not yet. So he knows he's going to need it eventually. And what he needs it for here is this very specific use of having it be his rock hammer to get out of jail. So that's that's one piece. And then the other piece of it is this question you're asking of, like, how much more of that story do we need to see? Because we have been mostly pacing one year per episode Uh, and in order to get him from 2009 to 2019, you would need 10 episodes. So they got to break that rule if you're going to have Ozymandias show up in Tulsa, which you got to imagine they're going to do. This being the post credit scene of the episode, Antonio, do you imagine a scenario where the opening scene of the finale is Ozymandias continuing that quest and returning to Tulsa so that he's there for the remainder of the finale?
1: That sounds really good to me. I do imagine that we will get filled in on how he knew he would eventually need a horseshoe. Uh, It seems likely that Dr. Manhattan told him it at some point that this was all going to work out. But but I don't know that. If you think back to episode one, right, when <laughs> Phillips gives him the cake and instead of giving him a knife to cut it, he gives the horseshoe. And Veidt is very upset about this. Uh, there's also the massive slaughter uh, scene that we see later with all the dead Phillips and Crookshanks. I had a bad night. There is a, there the, the horseshoe is present again there. Uh, and it has been present throughout. And he says at one point, right, I don't need that. Not yet, as you're saying. So, How did he know when he would need it or that he would need it at some point? And how did the Phillips at that point know – that it needed to be delivered with the cake at some right, point.
0: Right, is right. There, is there still a Dr. Manhattan scene that we have not seen where Dr. Manhattan, right. before he became Cal, like popped back over to Europe? It's like, so how are you enjoying the place? And man is like, not very much, really not digging it. And he's like, all right, well, the good news is you're going to get out of here. You're going to be in Tulsa in 10 years. Uh, I've seen that because we cross paths again and it's not very great. So you'll, you'll leave this place. And he's like, okay, cool. Can I just leave with you? He's like, no, you can't. Uh, don't forget the horseshoe. You're going to need that. And then he right. leaves, he blinks out. Right. Like, is there something like that that has occurred?
1: I think so. Uh, and I, I'm sure, I, I I do think we will and see it. I think it'll it will be written,
0: than... the dialogue will be exactly like that.
1: Yeah, that's basically, we already saw the scene, right? It was the pre-credits, post-credits. It was the right. mid-credit <laughs> yeah, role.
0: Yeah, right. That yeah,
1: was there. No, I think, I do think we will see a scene like that. So the question you're asking, of course, is if we begin next episode with, uh, you know, speeding up that timeline, where does that scene fit? And and as we saw this episode By the way, I think marvelously orchestrated, thinking back to the fourth issue of the comic, I believe it's the fourth issue, It is, uh, where John Osterman is going back and forth through his timeline and saying the years and saying where he is and experiencing the way you experience time when you read that issue is so powerful and so specific that I think it's a very difficult thing to capture. And I think they really did an excellent job of it with this episode. And all credit to everyone really involved from Yaya Abdul-Mateen's performance to just the way that it's just constructed from the script to the direction to everything uh, it had that feeling to it where, where we were experiencing all of these things at once uh, and none of them at the same time and the of course the denouement of that the, the way that really comes to a head is that Josh it is Angela who killed Judd Crawford in a way
0: yeah. Oh, my God. Well, I mean, it's chicken and egg. Uh, and yes, the, I, at the I, same time. The show posits the answer to that to that age-old question, that the chicken and the egg are uh, simultaneous, the yeah. exact same time. Uh, yeah, while Dr. Manhattan is standing on the pool, Angela asks him if he can ask Will how he knew about Judd Crawford being 7K and having a Klan robe and that is the way that Will Reeves finds out. So it is a paradox, paradoxical by by nature. It's one of those one of those things that is very hard to fully wrap your brain around and truthfully Antonio, brains don't work that way. Anyway, you can't really wrap it around something and still use the thing at least. Uh, So, (laughs)
1: turns out you can wrap something around the brain, though, and make it not usable. You can embed it. You embed it.
0: Yeah, you stick it in. So, very, very, uh, very compelling story there. And I, I, I liked this idea of, I don't know, that. Angela was kind of just like faded to be very important. You know, this is something that we've been talking about here in the podcasts, and it's something that the makers of Watchmen are talking about around the show, the idea and within the text, the idea of generational trauma uh, and inheriting who who came before you and inheriting history. And Angela... Is the granddaughter of Hooded Justice and she is uh married to Dr. Manhattan, and here she is as like the most important hero in the middle of Tulsa, and she was always supposed to come back here. Tying her story to Dr. Manhattan, I have to admit, I was I was I was a little nervous. I have enough faith in in what we have seen in the body of work of this series to feel like it's it was gonna work out and it was gonna be exciting at the very least, and you gotta love a big swing, and this no matter what was a big swing. But the it, it may be took me until like the second time I I watched through the episode to really love this story turn and this idea of what Damon Lindelof said in an interview with me uh, recently that Angela was the son that everything had to revolve around for this show and you can really see that in the writing design uh, but you definitely now see it so deeply in the story as told through this really powerful powerful story like you say that really does map very well onto issue four from Alan Moore and Dave Gibbons' Graphic novel from their comic book series, where you're bouncing around all over time with Doctor Manhattan, and it can be a little hard to track. But but once you kind of once you kind of get your get that idea embedded in your brain, it's it's hard to see any other way. And that's a very difficult narrative structure to pull off. And I think that that Lindelof and Jeff Jensen just did a, a masterful job in the writing of this episode.
1: They really did. And having Angela as your son, it helps. I mean, having. Yeah, yeah, Abdul Mateen, as we've talked about, doing so well and and really carrying this work, carrying the John Osterman bits of Dr. Manhattan to the screen, even as Cal. uh, All of that, great. But of course, having Regina King uh, at the heart of this. At the heart of this is just a a bar conversation, their first conversation. uh, And we jump obviously back and forth to different timelines or in the same timeline, just different moments throughout that conversation. But Regina King is so good too. Uh, And it is so great to have her be on the other side of this. Uh, And I I love the idea that, you know, I love you, John Osterman says to Regina King basically five minutes after meeting her and she laughs but that's because he's already seen her be willing to put her entire life on the line just to save him that act, 10 years later, is something that he knows about as he's sitting there in that bar, and because he knows about it, he doesn't even have to speak to Angela to know that he loves her. That obviously is not the same thing for Angela's character, for Regina King, uh, and the performance there is great. Uh, she's so skeptical of him.
0: It, it's, it's like, I mean, he's already in love with her when he sits across from her, so he is, you, like, you can't see his face, which is, uh, I thought, right. a really, really fun choice on, on the part of the show to have, like, this, this mask play uh, that is ongoing, but you can imagine the big smile on his face because in his mind, he's just fallen in love with this woman and now here he is, you know, 10 years down the line, that's when that happens, but now here he is 10 years earlier and he's got a whole lifetime with her to look forward to and so he's sitting across from her and just like laughing at, at, at how funny she is or, or laughing at memories from down the line, like you can, you can really see that in, in his performance and it's an amazing thing because that's vocal work primarily, but also like Hand gestures uh, that that are really conveying this emotion, and with Regina King's performance, this is a this is a woman who is going from like deeply incredulous to like kind of interested. Uh, So like the more normal process of (laughs) of how these things uh, tend to work. It's
1: a a fair point,
0: you know. uh, But but they just they play that so well. Meeting in the middle, as uh, as they say on a a different podcast about uh, about romance. You know, it's just it's a it's a wonderful wonderful way to connect these two love stories. The man who's already head over heels because he has seen how this plays, and even though it ends tragically, uh, the tragedy has already happened for him. So now all he sees is the is the beauty and the wonder that lies ahead. Uh, and for her, that's the scary thing in the distance that gets lost in the fact that she does fall for this guy. It's right? the tunnel like of love. It's the tunnel of love. It's the tunnel of love. She's so great. How many times do you need to say that Regina King is just the best? She's the best. No matter
1: how many times you say it. It, Not it's, enough. Uh, it's deserved at least one more time. Yeah. The... Uh the the moment that the fact is when you're talking there about the relationship being founded in certain things and uh, him knowing that the tragedy is coming and being okay with it which he puts up front for her as well we have to keep in mind what her mindset was that very night she is commemorating a tragedy she is remembering the death of her parents this is a thing where later in the episode when Cal is talking about her he senses this profound longing in her he knows that it's there when he before he ever speaks to her that he knows this about her he knows what her life is uh, because he has experienced all these other things with her and he has remembered them. The thing is he doesn't know he, of the darkness. There is this the tunnel. He doesn't know what happens when he's Cal. And yet when he emerges from that tunnel and he does know, he is able to connect those dots so directly and so clearly because he does fall in love with her when he sees her trying so desperately to save his life. He sees the children. He knows all of those things. He knows the life that they've had. He's able to put all of that together And so even though he doesn't know what happens as Cal... He's walking into that conversation, like you said, uh, with all of that to look forward to, knowing that he can experience that in a different way, not having to be Dr. Manhattan, that there's a thing he doesn't know. And that's exciting for him. And it's it's a little different for her because obviously uh, this guy's coming with a whole lot of lines and he's claiming to be God. He's claiming to be Dr. Manhattan, who, by the way, is a guy she hates. But there are enough moments in this conversation that you can see really build the intrigue and you can see that play out with Regina King, just like you can see the longest and you can see the loss and you can see the concern in her face even though she puts up such a tough facade and she is so in 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 her own regina king way so great at just being combative and defensive in the way that she says to lady true like it was my birthday and my parents gave me a pony like there are those moments in that personality there with angela even if she's being coy and flirting a little bit there are those moments where you can read her defense mechanisms just all the way up and to see them break down over the course of that conversation having broken down we see a fight in their relationship uh we see tenderness in their relationship essentially the proposal we see all of these things uh and so it's just a really marvelous script and and really well executed just to see them all playing out at once in the way that dr manhattan could i do have a question for you josh though about the the cowling of it all because i know that this probably maybe is not as successful of a thing for you or it's something we we can talk about Dr. Manhattan, theoretically, and as we've heard on this show, now we realize now it's probably been a lie that's being told by Angela specifically. He does not have the ability to take on human form in the way that he does in this episode. Yet he does take on the cow Cal form. Cal's body that he takes is, is someone who has died, named Calvin Jelani. But it is not a body that Angela initially shows Dr. Manhattan. It is seemingly one he knows he takes on because he says, unless you have another one to show me, and she sort of rolls her eyes at him. But I'm wondering what do you think about all this. Why didn't she show him the cow body at first? And what do you think generally about the fact that he takes on the cow form which causes Ozymandias a little bit of a pause for one.
0: Right. At first, that's really funny. I don't know. This is, this is a part of the episode that maybe doesn't work as well for me as everything else in the episode. And the piece of it is I understand like the practicality of why Angela thinks it's a good idea for, for Dr. Manhattan to take on the human likeness of somebody who's died and somebody who's unconnected to other people because that person is going to have the proper paperwork, passport. Uh, birth certificate you're going to be able to blend in right as rain at the same time i think it would just be very weird to like be like i don't know sleeping with a dead person at that at that point it's like that's the that's the that's the piece of it that like i have not been able to fully wrap my head around uh which i know is ill-advised anyway that like i have not been able to fully reconcile this idea of i i don't know why angela keeps cal's body as the fourth final option other than maybe like She feels um, some sadness about this guy. Oh, I'm talking myself into it actually right now. This is fun. Um, So she sees she sees some sadness in the guy, uh, sees that this is this is a handsome man who is sadly deceased, who is sadly disconnected, who seems to have no family. And that's Angela in a lot of ways. Angela has no family. She's got nobody. She was at she was at the bar drinking to to commemorate the death of her parents. She doesn't know her grandfather. Uh, She knew her grandmother for a a, a half a day, a few hours at most. Uh, She grew up in an orphanage and here she is in in Vietnam without family. And she sees in this sad man some actual connection, but probably feels like a little bit weird about the fact that, like, he's a dead guy. I shouldn't like be like falling in love with a with a dead person. Uh, And then she sees that likeness taken upon by Dr. Manhattan and all of it suddenly comes alive for her the possibility of uh, of finding life and finding love I'm in I'm into it now wow that happened fast I just ate an egg it did
1: well it had already happened Josh I want you to know that it had already happened does that track uh, does
0: that track yeah. does that make sense to you
1: it does I, I I'm curious she says that he died inexplicably maybe he had a heart attack no family to get an autopsy Knowing what we know about everything that needed to happen happened for a reason or or everything that was going to happen happened because it was going to happen. Did Dr. Manhattan kill Cal, Josh?
0: Did Dr. Manhattan kill Cal? That would be uh, Knowing that
1: he had to take the body on.
0: Oh, my God. If so, divorce. <laughs> <laughs> that, is, that is grounds for divorce. Dr. Manhattan, go back to Europa, sir. I hope not. I hope not. I'm, I, I just fell in love with this idea, and now, now you're taking me out of it. Well, the thing is— like, Tragically, like 10 seconds later. It, 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 the reason
1: that you're so perfectly articulating why it's actually a really good fit— Right? Why Angela would 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 find some kind of besides the fact that he's hot, right? Besides the fact that Cal's hot, let's not let, leave that out of the equation. Yes. That she might actually, I mean, it, it's kind of macabre to talk about be physically attracted to a person who is dead. Yeah, and that's probably um,
0: something that she's like thinking about, where she's like, I yes. don't care, be any dead person, I don't care, right. and then she's yeah. like, maybe be the dead person that I I think is hot and also feel like a spiritual connection to.
1: She also, I mean, this is a girl who, when we saw her as a little girl, she articulates the reason why she likes Sister Night, because she looks like me. And when she's talking to June, June she says, there probably aren't a lot of people around here who look like you. Here is someone who looks like her. So all these reasons why Cal is resonant uh, for Angela are reasons why it had to be Cal, why it made sense that it's Cal. If that's the case, it had to be Cal. It made sense that it's Cal. It makes sense that Dr. Manhattan had no choice but to do it, that he became Cal, he took Cal off the board so that Cal would be there when he needed to be. So I think it's at least possible. I don't expect that we'll ever really get an answer on that, but if we get an answer on that and that's the answer, I think that it fits and I understand why it is what it is. We don't know what Dr. Manhattan was doing before he appeared on VVD uh, and picked a mask up off the ground and saw a man peeing outside Eddie's bar, which by the way, Eddie's bar, we should talk about that.
0: The the comedian's bar, yes, absolutely, and that's confirmed by Nicole Cassell in the interview interview that I did with her which is up now on THR.com slash watchman.
1: And this is the bar where, not this is a bar, this is the bar. Theoretically, if we if if we are right about, or if you specifically in your theory were right, that Lady True comes from that incident in the bar with Dr. Manhattan uh, and the comedian and the child that Dr. Manhattan, are that, that the comedian had fathered, then this is the bar where that happened. It seems more likely to me now that Adrian Veidt is Lady True's father. He may be her adopted father. Uh, he may be her, not her blood father. That may in fact be the, comedian, uh, but he may be the father that she knows uh, as as her father, that may be why she keeps a statue of him around and why she was desirous of acquiring his company. We will find out, I think, on that front. But that bar is a significant place. So what Dr. Manhattan was doing before he went to that bar, and if that involved taking Cal off the board, I, I don't think we, we, we won't necessarily find it out. But I could certainly see it. I could certainly see it. Mr. Blue shows up. I love the rhapsody in blue as well. That's playing as he's walking up to that bar. It's just uh, the music as ever. Uh, really, really good in this episode. Uh, all the blue stuff. Uh, I'm glad we didn't get Mr. Blue Sky. Like that would have been a bridge too far for me.
0: Let's see what else we wanna we want to hit on because there's a lot from this episode. And uh, there's there's one thing that I definitely don't want to let go of is this idea that Ozymandias gets sent to Europa by by Doctor Manhattan. And also the fact that we now know what the Phillips and Crookshanks is, are are based on uh, the scene of, of of young John Osterman in in the Manor and finding out what it, what it looks like to create life. I love that juxtaposed against it's it's always been so such a such a distinct part of Doctor Manhattan that he's a lover, right? That he's he's you know constantly falling yeah. in love and he's constantly having sex. Ozymandias knows, you know, so he certainly he certainly does. Immediately he knows him, yeah. um, but I love how they they connected that backstory. Story. And so, of course, the two people that who, who showed him what that looks like for the very first time are his Adam and Eve, I think, is a really beautiful idea. But Dr. Manhattan is going to zap Ozymandias to Europa, to this place that he's created, uh, which is another great example of like why even even if you're like guessing what a lot of this stuff is going to be on the show and the idea that this is a place that was created by Dr. Manhattan, I think, had been hanging around in the in the conversation about Watchmen for a while. It's still just so satisfying to see that to the you know, to the, the sight of the amniotic pond coming to life for the first time. First time yes. and, and grass sprouting from the ground that the game warden, as he's going to describe it, the first it in the post- Phillips, yeah, he's the first Phillips is going to describe that so beautifully in the post credit scene. But to to see it with your own two eyes is is really mesmerizing as well. I know mesmerism uh, is dangerous around these parts. I keep wanting to get to this piece, Antonio. Who is doing the squid rain if Ozymandias is on Europa? It's uh, we a very see good in, question. In 2009, this man is in Karnak in our Antarctica, and he is a slovenly mess, and he's very disenchanted uh, with the uh, the quote-unquote utopia that, that rose from the ashes of the dimensional incursion event of 11 uh 85. He is not happy about where the world has gone. He feels like he is not needed anymore, and so he— he takes the offer without question to go to paradise where he is going to be desired and, and worshipped. But this entire time he was doing the squid rain, and that was 2009, and it's 2019, and we've seen in 2019 that squid rains are happening again. Who's doing the squid rain? Who's on the squid rain? Is that, is that, is that just a true operation? Is it as easy as that?
1: It seems like it might be, right? Because he says a little elephant told him that Doc was in Europa, uh, and we already talked about how that's more likely than not Lady True connected. So she's probably the one keeping it up. There were also, uh, earlier on in the season, I think in episode one, uh, when we talked about the squids, they seem to be limited or that they're happening in certain areas. When we see Adrian Veidt doing this, we see a map of what looks like the whole world with a bunch of different sites. So it seems like he's able to do it in a bunch of, different sites but it seemed like it was more limited at the beginning of the season it's certainly happening in Tulsa like we know we've only seen it happen the once but there are entire security companies built around this thing. There are support groups of people concerned when the, when the squids come back. So someone is tormenting humanity repeatedly, theoretically, to keep the peace. And if that's the case, it would probably have to be somebody who was willing to take up Adrian Veidt's cause. And that could only be, or is most likely be, the person who took his company on uh, and took on the ability to do these things and is in on that that secret. Another possibility, of course, because we know that at the highest levels of government, this is something that is known, uh, is it somehow is involved, that somehow the government is involved. And this gets me into another part of uh, a question to ask from this episode, which is, how does 7K know that Cal is Dr. Manhattan yeah. when Cal didn't even know?
0: Great question. Right? Great how, question. How, is
1: that, how is that the case? And so it, somebody knows, right? Like Adrian Veidt knows he took on a form, but we don't. We know he doesn't know everything about connecting to Angela Abar and Tulsa. He only knows the name Angela. Cal tells him that, like her name. We know that uh, Will Reeves definitely knows a lot more information about the Dr. Manhattan connection and about Angela and Tulsa specifically. So the 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 question is who else knows and how do you have any other suspects that you want to put on the board?
0: So we got an answer this this week as to what happened to Angela on the white night. She'd been shot. And then the last that we saw was someone from 7K was standing over her. And then she wakes up in the hospital. And you and I had wondered on the podcast, how did that resolve? What was Cal's role in everything? We were very suspicious of Cal for a while. And I I guess like right to be suspicious in the sense that he's involved in the reconciliation of that event. Uh, But the way that he reconciles it is, as Ozymandias tells him, even though we're going put the hoochie doji in your head, even though we're gonna zap you of your of your memories and you're not even gonna know that you're Dr. Manhattan, so you're not gonna do any Dr. Manhattan things, you may reflexively act like Dr. Manhattan if you're in danger, if you're in duress you may just as a as a physical reflex atomize somebody <laughs> or in the case of what happened here teleport somebody those are the words that angela uses you teleported somebody away it's interesting to me that that cal seemingly forgot that that happened cuz obviously cal was able to like go on about his life not like really thinking about what happened so whenever Doctor Manhattan reflexively took over the cow Cal body Cal's brain must not have processed that that must have been very strange to live through but that seven, that 7th Calvary um, assassin would be assassin against Angela isn't vaporized that person is teleported away so if that person is then teleported away whenever that person comes back assuming they weren't beamed to Mars or Europa or Antarctica or something like that but just beamed out side may want to run back to the boss of the 7K and say hey so strange thing happened everything was going great sam got killed that was unfortunate i did not get killed but i did get teleported away uh and that is an odd thing that shouldn't have happened and senator keen being the person in charge of 7K catches wind of this story and this is a person who has been proven to have uh, such high intelligence access as knowing that the D.I.E., the dimensional incursion event, the squiddening, was a hoax, that it was all on Ozymandias, he's got the tape. Is it that much of a leap for him to dig around even deeper, find out that Cal is not who he says he is, that there's a cadaver in Vietnam, you know, do that digging around and put some pieces together and riddle out that that man is Dr. Manhattan.
1: Is it also possible on some level that they obtain Dr. Manhattan's powers and then are therefore able to see all of the past and present and see it? they know it at that point and because they know it they go back and somehow introduce that much the way Dr. Manhattan does with Angela in 2009 that at some level somebody obtains this power uh, and is able to go back and do that and start this whole thing in motion the paradox is there some kind of moment like that where we turn the clock back because you're describing I think the very realistic and, and, and probably very likely scenario where it's right there in the text of the show but if they ever obtain the Dr. Manhattan Manhattan Powers I think all bets are off in terms of what they obtain right they certainly seemingly would obtain the ability to start this whole damn thing in motion to begin with that's the part I'm worried about because if that's the case then they seemingly would know how it ends uh, and that's the that's the part where I'm like okay if they actually knew because they obtained the powers and they're able to see time in a different way then they know that it's going to end a certain kind of way and if they know it ends badly then why do it to begin with uh, are they just going to try to tempt fate or do it anyway that's the part I'm not 100% sure of
0: that would lead me to believe why why that wouldn't be a path that I think the show is going down because I think if if 7K knew this was going to end badly I don't think that they have that level of like determinism that John Osterman seems to have where they would just like see that down the line I think it's 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 harder to track like the ambition that keen displays right like that's this,
1: what I was going to say
0: this is not a man who's who's like willing to just like throw himself on the buzzsaw
1: well and and that he may think that he can but he also may have enough hubris to think yeah. he can break it. And it, keeping in mind that it, it would be him, uh, theoretically, who wants to make himself blue. It is him who wants to obtain the Dr. Manhattan powers. So if he were the one to obtain these powers, it would be him. In, in the same way that you're saying Senator Keene would be involved, that is true, but it would be a Senator Keene who had obtained those powers. I think that's at least a possibility. It seems less likely for the reasons you're saying, but I think those are the two most likely circumstances. Uh, how about one more, though? What about Jim Beaver he's a, a noted character actor uh, although we, we also got the bunny Colvin of it all but what about Jim Beaver he was in this series what for two scenes at this point
0: I think just one just the one just the one scene I'm pretty sure just the one scene you see Jim Beaver on the porch of the a bar house he's Topher and the and his siblings grandfather biological grandfather and he wants to come in and see them it's his day uh, he won't take a rain check but he'll take a check uh, and that's all you see of him and as you note, Antonio great actor phenomenal Actor in so many different roles and and great projects along the way. uh, That is he really just there to sit on the porch and be like kind of a racist jerk uh, for a single scene, or is he somebody who, because he's connected to the A bars, uh, seems to be a racist jerk who's living in in a town in a city where uh, racist jerks are organized in the form of a terrorist group that is conspiring to become Doctor Manhattan? Is he somehow hip to what's going on in the A bar household? If like Topher or somebody who's you know very 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 attentive to detail. Does he know that Cal is Dr. Manhattan just by powers of observation? Does he say something inadvertently to Jim Beaver, to his grandfather? A lot of different possibilities there.
1: Yeah. Or maybe he just, if he is involved with 7k, maybe he was a scout. Maybe he was somebody who had a believable reason to interact with this family. And maybe it was his job to keep eyes and ears on the situation while he was there and obtain any information he could maybe through the kids or otherwise just kind of showing up and sitting on the porch in that episode where he arrives. Of course, Cal refuses to answer the door. He calls him a chicken shit. So I don't know that he knows he's Dr. Manhattan, but it's definitely somebody that Angela doesn't want around Cal or the kids. Uh, and Cal wants no part of the guy either. Cal does not even answer the door when he rings it. So, and Cal's first question he asks Angela is, he's still out there? Did you get rid of him? Like, mm-hmm. so he really right. does seem like he maybe is a little scared of him or wants no part of him. And so it is, I think there's a possibility that he could be connected to this thing as well. I don't know other likelihoods, but somebody obviously knows. I think it's also clear at this point that Lady True knows, right? That Lady True knows, that Will Reeves knows. Those people know. The fact that 7K has all of Lady True's technology, or not all of it, but they're using True technology there— Is there a possibility that as part of this plan, uh, it just was always the case that the 7K was going to find out about this so that they could be thwarted, so that it could end? Like, this is just whatever happened, happened. So I'm going to tell you, Will Reeves, and at some point, you and Lady True are going to work with 7K and get this idea on the board so that you can later stop them and take take it off the board completely. Is this a larger plan to wipe out 7K, uh, see how they fly? Are they going to be the ones, ultimately, who are it's it's sort of a you talk about greenwood like is it going to be a revenge kind of scenario are we going to see something like that where a racist group is ultimately given their comeuppance uh, all those years later um, having no ability to make actual reparations and the the actual attempt to make reparations financially is there going to be is it going to be will reeves opportunity to make vengeful reparations in the form of wiping out 7k uh, knowing that it was always going to happen that way
0: yeah totally possible totally possible that's That's definitely on the table as we're heading into the finale. One of like the very likeliest scenarios that you can envision in your mind's eye is you're trying to imagine what this final episode of season one, if not the whole series of Watchmen, is going to look like, you know, the inverse of what happened in Tulsa. And, uh, you know, there's something that's like very like gutturally satisfying about the idea of 7K getting what's coming to them in that way. Yes. Um, but is, th- is this a is this a story? Is this a, a franchise now? Right. Of Watchmen that does gutturally satisfying. Uh, that's certainly not the comic book. And that is where this comes from. That's the Godhead, right?
1: Right. And I don't think it's been the show per se. Uh, Obviously, the show has shown that there are a lot of shades to this uh, in, in, the, in the, the Godhead type way, in the, the comic book type way. And even throughout, even when, for example, the police are interrogating 7K or busting up the Nixon, uh, Nixonville trailer park or doing the things that they've done, the way that it's been presented has been presented in, in a certain way that, that makes you feel like, were this anyone else other than white supremacists, we would not be on the side of what's going on here. And so in, we have those flashes in Vietnam, for example, When Angela is experiencing Will Reeves' memories uh, and she sees the Viet Cong puppets being taken out by Dr. Manhattan, as we talked about, what she flashes to is what's happening in Greenwood. uh, Actual victims being taken down by white supremacists. So uh, it's complicated. And it wouldn't surprise me if the end of this series is similarly complicated, although it would be pretty dope (laughs) if it wasn't. Uh, And it was just a, a vengeance and a victory moment there. It would also be, I think... Something speaking back to referencing to the first episode and, and having that all come together. Let's think about the actual Bass Reeves scene uh, with the black and white, uh, the, the person in white and the person in black. And Bass Reeves actually helping and saving the day and being uh, treated as a hero for it. Uh, and that hero story being at the heart of Will Reeves's life and at the beginning of our own show, if we see some sort of ending like that, it would definitely fit with that for sure.
0: I want the whole thing to end with the Abar family happily in the Dreamland Theater watching uh, Sister Night the movie, the nun ah. the, with the mother effing gun. Uh, I want that to be the final scene of the whole thing. Maybe so that can be say... a, a post credit scene for the for the final episode of the show.
1: Mm-hmm watching American Heroes story. and
0: no, uh, forget that. <laughs> Burn it to the and, ground.
1: Uh, Hooded Justice and Captain Metropolis. No, uh, that's bad. Not for the kids. Uh, yeah, it, it, the, the fact that it's going to be in a theater, right? The fact that we are putting ourselves in a theater definitely takes us back to a theater in Tulsa in the first episode. So it makes sense, I think, to think about what happened in that first episode and having some version of that happening here in a much better in a way that I think ends that story. So we're going to see some form of that the question is how and i think tbd we we don't really know what we do know is is those sorts of things are coming dr manhattan says i would never pass my abilities on to anyone without their consent and so the question is like what happened in that scene with Dr. Manhattan and Will Reeves after that. He clearly told him every reason beyond like we're going to work together. There was a much longer version of that. And I think we're going to see what that looked like. And I think we're going to see ultimately that Will Reeves was on board for all of this. It ties into Cyclops, obviously. It ties into his life work. It makes a lot of sense. The thing I would point to, Josh, and it's sort of referenced here with by Adrian Vite, nothing ever ends. That's, the, that's the, the, you know, the, the really enduring lines from Dr. Manhattan to Ozymandias in the comic. I think it is uh, parroted here or, or brought back here by Adrian Veidt, but I think it would be important to realize that we might face something like that at the end of this season, a nothing ever end scenario.
0: I can see it, I can see it, and I think that's certainly something being open ended enough in the same way and i'm and I'm thinking about like the hand going for Rorschach's journal right at the end of the graphic novel, right. and what are the possibilities that opening that journal and reading that journal evokes in the rest of the world? What is something like that that can close out? this final episode of Watchmen and close out this season that could also maybe pave the way for interesting ideas for multiple seasons down the line, but would also serve as kind of this mind wandering possibility, uh, rich ending. And that to me is like, I, I can imagine some, somebody in a movie theater, eating some blue popcorn or putting their hand in the tub and getting ready to go. <laughs> you know, is there, is there an egg in there, right? Is someone about to eat a blue egg salad sandwich? Uh, but is there somebody who's grabbing for the possibility to take on the Dr. Manhattan mantle and move that into the future? Um, but some, some kind of ending along those lines is, is certainly what I'm, what I'm considering. But Antonio, we're just a week away from knowing the answer. And that we is, are. that is bizarre to me.
1: It's pretty awesome, though. It uh, it's fast. great that it's uh it's great that we're we're here. It, it doesn't. I mean, nine episodes seems different than your typical season order. Do you have any idea why? Maybe nine is the number here instead of ten or thirteen.
0: Uh, maybe just like uh, they don't want to risk too much on Watchmen is a risky proposition potentially. (laughs) Like, we can give you nine. You can take nine.
1: It's an interesting episode order. That's all I know. And I'm wondering if there's a significance at all to that uh, specifically, because as you talked about, the Adrian Veidt story could have been a 10-year story or seemingly was a 10-year story. And now we see 10 being so significant to all of this that I'm wondering what that is. And I'm also wondering, Josh, do you think we're going to find out who Lube Guy is?
0: Oh, yeah. It's Dale Petey.
1: And is PDPedia Rorschach's journal for the 21st century here?
0: Uh, Yes, absolutely. Yeah, the the season is going to end with uh, somebody finally logging into the internet. And going to HBO.com/PDpedia, <laughs> that's gonna be the final thing.
1: Oh my gosh! And it's all exposed. Yeah, that's that it. That's
0: it. Yeah, it's the it's the Lube Man exposed party is the it's the, it's the, it's the, <laughs> the, it's the finale. That's that's what we're getting to. Oh boy! Uh, anything you want to hit in this podcast before we wrap up?
1: Yeah, just a couple quick things. I liked the uh, callback to the comic. I made it thirty years ago instead of you know I, I did it thirty minutes ago. When Adrian Vite is talking about how he already made the thing that Doc needs to hide in plain sight, it's, he made it thirty years ago. I also really liked. Uh, did it? Did it come on across to you when he's talking through Adrian Vite's talking through with himself in that room how that device would work? He was very Doc Brown to me. Uh, he was like, oh, "Of course you would do this," but yes. then it was really flex. Like, yeah, I was like, "Great." He was just one shout great out to, Scott to away.
0: your friend. In mind, Colin Stone, who uh, who has been uh, evangelizing the Christopher Lloyd properties of uh, of, of Ozzy mandius all season long.
1: Yeah, this is a very that this was the moment. Like this was the the the, the head moment where he was one greats got away from going full full doc.
0: Brown. It was like then, Marty visiting him in the fifties, right? Like he like, that's that's it where was. he was at that point. Yeah, it was.
1: Yeah, the thing on his head, right?
0: Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I, uh, I
1: I I wonder. Do you know? Um, The future is uncertain, and his ability to influence events is limited. I would like to form an alliance. And we talked about how that that conversation probably continues after that. He knew probably some element of the future beyond, as you're saying, just that they're going to zap me away. I guess I wonder, why Lori? Like, why did Lori end up there? We know Senator Keene brought her there, but was she part of what was happening with Dr. Manhattan? They're, they have such a connection. Uh, was this a happy accident for Dr. Manhattan? Did he always know she was going to be part of the plan, or did he put this in motion somehow, just like he put the Will Reeves part in
0: motion? I don't know. Yeah, I I don't know what, what role he would have had if- In Lori, Lori reads to me as somebody who is deeply unaware of what's going on with the Dr. Manhattan piece of this, you know, outside of uh, the attraction to Cal and and, and things like that. I don't think that she has any. Otherwise, it kind of negates the whole phone booth scene. Right. You know, it really kind of the fact that she she makes the call to Mars um, and that she's been doing this every once in a while and this longing that she has for Dr. Manhattan. So I can't imagine that she is she's in on anything as it pertains to Cal, what I think that it could mean is, you know, she's so jaded, right? What is something that can bring some light and some awe back into Lori's life? Potentially, it's Dr. Manhattan. Ideally, it's Dr. Manhattan in some sort of positive way. But if it's something that kind of like reminds her of who she used to be and what she used to fight for even in watching like a a heroic tragic death for dr manhattan um could be something that's fairly inspiring for that character that we could see in the final episode
1: it seems likely to the point of why Dr. Manhattan is likely alive and will be alive for at least some of this episode. We, we I would love to see him just be teleported into that room and Laurie is there. We, I would love to see a scene with Laurie and Dr. Manhattan in that in that way. So even if it does end in tragedy, um, I, I still would, I think that that's a scene that because of the phone booth, but also because of everything we know about Laurie, is a scene that I would like to see come to fruition. So I think that means that we're going, I think we will get that scene. I think Dr. Manhattan knows some of this stuff, obviously. What I'm curious about, just kind of to wrap up here... Angela hates Dr. Manhattan because Dr. Manhattan burned a village, and a boy from that village grew up and wanted to be a puppeteer because he wanted to pull the strings. So he made a bomb. The bomb killed her parents 22 years ago, and that's what she's there commemorating when she's drinking in the bar. And so he is, as Dr. Manhattan, this is a, you're the last person that I that I would want to connect with here in this moment, because I hate Dr. Manhattan. And Dr. Manhattan is talking about Vietnam, and he says, if it's any consolation, I just did what, it, she said something to the effect of, if it's any consolation, I just did what people wanted me to do. I did what I thought they wanted me to do. My understanding of Dr. Manhattan is he really has no control over what he does or doesn't do because he sees time in a certain way and because everything is happening at once. He's not. He's more of an automaton than he is somebody who has the ability to reflect emotionally on a thing and make a choice. But it seems in that moment that he's saying that he chose to be involved in Vietnam to make people happy. What was your read on that and, and, and Dr. Manhattan's overall Ability to make choices like this.
0: Yeah, I think that you see you see that like kind of like ponderous quality about him in the graphic novel. Uh you, you see him like meditating on like, did I do the right thing or why are things the way that they are, like feelings of regret, feelings of shame. Like when he when he's like chased off of Earth, when he when he goes to Mars because everybody comes to believe that he is cancerous, that like he's like so radioactive that being around him means that you're going to become sick and die. In that scene where he this this happens in the comic where he's like on a TV show and the audience turns on him and there's like genuine despair in in Doctor Manhattan and I think that you even see it in this show like the joy that he feels in the conversations with with Angela certainly at the bar the playfulness of of his voice and the moments where like she asks him do you want to do you want to get down on one knee and he says I do uh, and you really buy that in him when he says I love you this is a man who absolutely Feels things. I think that the word choice, the semantics of, I went there because I thought people wanted me to do it, rather than I don't know. I guess like it's not as interesting to say to write even. Uh, I went there because I always went there. <laughs> you right. know, I, I went think,
1: there because I knew I went there and I had to go
0: there. You know, I think that that's a piece of it, but I think that. Just because these things, I think that that's part of the, the great tragedy of Dr. Manhattan is he sees all of these things, but it doesn't mean he doesn't feel them, too. Like when he's talking about um, when she asks him, when was the last time you were scared? And he's like, it's not, it's 1959 and I'm being atomically torn to bits. She's like, you haven't been scared in 50 years. That, that's 50 years ago you're talking to me about, man. But the way that like his body language, like he's like curled up into a ball on that bed and there is like legitimate fear and fright on, uh, on his face and you can could, you could tell that he's feeling that in that moment so all of that stuff still matters like is that the driving factor behind why everything happens the way that it happens maybe that's a piece of it and his curse is that he also just sees that stuff like he knows that that's where it's going, but he's unable to to intervene with the course of time, right like just because right. the, like he sees the course of time, but that doesn't mean that like the emotional motivation behind the decisions he makes isn't there as well,
1: yeah that and that's the complicated package that is Dr. Manhattan, and I think very well captured by this script in this episode, uh, hopefully this podcast uh but i it was I just want to close by saying it was. So good that I was legitimately heartbroken when I saw that horrible moment of him being teleported away at the end of the episode. Uh, I was just shocked, even though he told me the whole time it was going to end in tragedy. And even though the whole time he told me it was coming, the tenderness of their relationship did come through. The emotion that we know is there somewhere in John Osterman. Even though the comedian in Eddie's bar reflects that he's gone from humanity, even though in the the book in the in the graphic novel we see that being such an issue with he and Laurie's relationship, and even though he's gone and has been gone for thirty years and has ghosted Laurie for thirty years, this is still a person who has those emotional moments. They connected so well because of the performances, because of the script, because of the way the episode was crafted across the board. Um, that by the end of it, I was really I was really blown apart. Uh, much the same way that. Doctor Manhattan was, and yet I'm still really looking forward to next week.
0: Hundred percent. All right. Well, we will be back next week talking about the season, maybe series finale of Watchmen. Certainly the season finale of Watchmen, directed by Frederick E. O. Toy, written by Nick cuse and Damon Lindelof. See how they fly. Coming out on December fifteenth, twenty nineteen we will be here to acknowledge it all and probably after that too because I think that there's gonna be stuff to unpack can't imagine we're gonna just wrap this up in one podcast even if they can wrap it up in one episode save it for the post credits yeah. <laughs> we'll do a post credits podcast uh, <laughs> in, the, in the sense that we'll do one post finale I am sure uh, make sure you don't miss that or anything else that we are doing here on series regular by subscribing to the podcast on your podcast app of choice follow me on Twitter I'm at round Howard Antonio is at AC Mazzaro and make sure you're going to thr dot com slash watchman as well to get all the coverage that's going on the site interviews news caps theories all of that good stuff of course you already know all of this information because we told you about it uh, about an hour ago uh, at this point Uh, but just in case you you stuck around through the music but no (laughs) post credit scene at this point Antonio
1: not yet we'll get there sometime maybe